Thanks for tuning in to the IGM podcast. We're so glad you've decided to explore God's word with us. We look forward to connecting with you in email at infointegritygm.com or online at our website, www.integritygm.com. We hope this podcast encourages you to grow in the knowledge of God through his word. Be blessed. Blessings to everyone and welcome back and greetings in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah. I'm so happy today to be able to look into 1 Thessalonians. Yesterday on the first podcast with this letter, we did the background material, about 25 minutes of just looking at the background. How did this church get started? Who started it? And who are the people, the believers in Thessalonica? Today, we're going to start by reading the first 10 verses of chapter 1. And again, I want to remind you, do not get bogged down by the chapter and verse divisions. But we're going to go through this first chapter, but in the context of we're going through the whole letter. And you're going to see how Paul is building upon principle upon principle, not isolated from each other, but building a foundation of what he's speaking about to these believers. So let's read these 10 verses, and Yoni is with me today. And Yoni, can you read these verses? Paul and Silvanus and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father, knowing, brethren beloved by God, his choice of you. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith towards God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. For they themselves report about us what kind of a reception we had with you and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. Now, when we look at these two letters, in the first letter, we are going to see Paul really encouraged by the faith of these believers through persecution. When we read in Acts chapter 17, we see this persecution that took place. These believers are going to continue in the faith. Their faith is going to be an inspiration and build up believers in different cities and different regions as well. When we come to the second letter, we're going to see that some false information have come concerning the end times. However, in this first letter, you see more of just this encouragement of their faith and keep going strong in the midst of persecution. So let's look back at these first 10 verses here. First of all, we see Paul, we see Silvanus, we see Timothy. Silvanus is probably Silas here because we see it as Paul and Silas that started the church at Thessalonica. He greets them. He wishes grace to them and peace. Verse 2, 
He gives thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, plural. This is something that you see in Paul's ministry as he's ministering the gospel. It's not just going to a place, ministering, leaving, and leaving that burden behind. All throughout his ministry of 25, 30 years, probably over 30 years, you will see the burden of everyone that he preached to, everyone that he discipled, that he's carrying that burden with him. When we get to 2 Corinthians, you'll see him talk about that as he's coming under heavy persecution from within. He carries the daily concern for the churches, the communities of faith. As you see in this verse, verse 2, that he's always thanking God on behalf of them, because of them, mentioning of them, of you, plural, in our prayers. So they continue to pray for the believers at Thessalonica, even though they're at Corinth at this time. They haven't abandoned them, but daily praying for them. That should speak to us as believers, that when we minister to someone and we disciple them and they come into the body of faith, they are part of us. We're one family. Continue to pray that they will stand strong in the things of God, even in the midst of persecution. Verses 3 and 4 go along with verse 2. Verse 2, they're praying for them. Verses 3, remembering their work of faith and labor of love. And in verse 4, knowing that this all comes from God, that they are chosen by God. So it's a remembering of their work, their faith, their love. And this is going to be a witness to others in different places, to other believers. In verse 5, he reminds them that the gospel that came to them came to them by power and the Holy Spirit with full conviction. This is something that you're going to see in all of Paul's writings. You're going to see it as he wrote to the Galatians, now that he's writing to the Thessalonians. You're going to see it as he writes to those in Corinth, on and on, that this is a work of God's Holy Spirit within them. This is not something that came through their preaching and an intellectual development there in Thessalonica. This is the work of the Holy Spirit, the power of God, with full conviction. Remember, it is the Holy Spirit that convicts us concerning righteousness, judgment, concerning sin. This is what Jesus preached about. This is what Paul understood, how they came to faith. Verse 6, you also became imitators of us and of the Lord. Remember the writings of Paul. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Paul is taking the life of Christ and living it among the people at Thessalonica. And now he is saying, Be imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation. The word of God came to them in tribulation. Now they are still in tribulation, but receive the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. That even in the midst of this persecution, the joy that comes through a life lived for God in the power of God's Spirit, there is joy in the midst of that. And here we see him continuing ministering this truth to them. So, verse 7, so that you become an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. 
something that we have to remember as we stand firm in the faith in the midst of persecution. Remember that we have been chosen by God. This is a work of the Holy Spirit. As we stand strong, the testimony of Jesus Christ goes forth to other people in other places. And sometimes we get isolated and say, woe is me, look at what I'm going through, and do not realize the testimony that is going forth because they are continuing in the faith. So never say that. Never say, God, why are you allowing me to go through this? Why aren't you delivering me? There's the joy in the Holy Spirit that should be in our lives in every situation. And when we stand strong in the midst of persecution, that witness sometimes goes to the whole world. Mm. There's a hundred million believers today throughout the world that statistics are saying and studies are saying that are going through severe persecution today because they named the name of Yeshua, the Messiah. Think about the witness that takes place. When I hear about that, that strengthens my faith. I'm not going through persecution today. I'm not seeing the things that they are seeing. I'm not facing life and death because of my faith. But because they are standing strong, it builds my faith. If they're willing to walk the walk and to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, how much greater should I be able to do that when I don't have persecution all around me? Mm. In fact, I think it's sometimes more difficult when we do not have those challenges that are coming at us all the time, because those challenges build our faith. What is the most important thing within our lives? It is our faith in Christ, and our faith gets stronger and stronger and stronger. But when we're living in a society that doesn't challenge our faith and doesn't question our faith and being a follower of Jesus doesn't have any physical consequence, then we have a tendency to be very complacent. But that message of, of living the gospel in the midst of persecution is, is convicting, and it should be convicting to us who are living in a, a much more peaceful setting. It should. But many times, because we do not have that daily challenge, there's a complacency that builds up. There's a self-centeredness that builds up. And it's all about us, and it's not about God. And we lose perspective sometimes. And then God can allow us to go through a tribulation. And remember going back to our first letter of what Jacob said, count it all joy when you encounter various trials and tribulations, knowing that the testing of your faith, what it produces. We see that principle all through the New Covenant Scriptures. Almost every Jewish person, every Gentile that comes to faith in the New Covenant time frame in which these scriptures are written is going to have a time of persecution. Even Paul at Corinth had gone through a long persecution leading up to Corinth, and then for a year and a half, God gave him a time of peace where no man will touch you in this city. But every ounce of his life before and after Corinth, he's being persecuted. Here, when we go through that, and the church went through it in the first century, and throughout all the centuries, we have had major persecution against the followers of Christ. We must understand when that comes to us, stand strong. 
And sometimes God allows that to take place, but it is the joy of the Holy Spirit within our lives. We came to God through a work of the Holy Spirit, by the power of God, by the conviction of God's Spirit, and we have the joy of the Holy Spirit within us as we're going through those things. And as we stand strong, Paul is saying that this has an example to the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. It becomes a testimony for other believers. I, I got to say this because it's just kind of hit my heart. I know in times of trial uh, and things are going tough, it's so easy to ask yourself, does God love me? Is God with me? What's happening? You can even question the things you think you know. But here he's kind of coming back to remind them of, of how they met God and how and to not discount the power in that. Yes, how they came to know God and also that their testimony continues because they're standing strong because of the tribulation. Mm -hmm. So do not think that our faith is in vain. Our faith is not having an impact because the believers in Macedonia and Achaia are being encouraged by their example. Look at verse 8. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you. There has been a testimony that's coming from you, not because of their vocal preaching, but by their life that is lived for God in the midst of this. So that we have no need to say anything. Yes. Wow. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith towards God has gone forth so that we have no need to say anything. It's, a, it's an example. People know you have a genuine faith. People know that you're standing strong, and it's having an impact upon other believers. If there's a young believer in Macedonia, in Achaia, in a different city, in Corinth, where they are, and they see the believers in Thessalonica standing strong in the midst of that, then the gospel is going forth. It is sounding forth from you, and you don't even have to say a word. It, it is being preached as they're living for the Lord. Wow. Verse 9, For they themselves report about us what kind of a reception we had with you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God. When you look at this, we must assume, a good assumption here, that the majority of the believers came from a Gentile background. And as we go to Acts chapter 17, there were some Jews that came to faith. There were God-fearing Gentiles. There were prominent women. But as the gospel continued to spread, we have to assume that Gentiles were coming to faith because of their faith. And they were turning from idol worship to serve a living and true God. I want to say this is the goal of our salvation. This is why Jesus died, that he died for our sins to deliver us and give us freedom to come to the living God, that we're no longer going to these pagan temples, bowing down to wood and stone and things in creation, but we're coming to the living God knowing the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Israel, serving him, worshiping him, the one true God, and no longer serving idols. This is why we were saved from Gentile backgrounds. We're coming out of that paganism, 
coming to the living God, being set free from that. And through the Messiah, now we have freedom to serve God. We have freedom to worship God. We have freedom to abandon ourselves and die to ourselves and live for the one true God. Verse 10, and to wait for his son. This is very important, this terminology, because when we get to the second letter, there, it's, there were some that had taught that Jesus has already come back. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is Yeshua, that is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. That there is this Jesus that is coming, that he will come again. He is our hope. He is our salvation. And he is the one that will deliver us from the wrath that is to come. This waiting thing seems, it's just so interesting because it, it kind of goes against what we as a society like to encourage us, encourage each other to do, which is to go out and, and be a go-getter and get things done. And, and although there's, you know, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but waiting is the opposite of that. And it's just so interesting. What are your thoughts on that? Well, just what you're saying is that they're in the midst of tribulation, persecution. Their faith is being an example for other believers in different places. Everything within us is wanting to go out and to correct the situation. And it doesn't mean that we do not try to enable ourselves or to bring about a different situation that we're living in. But our hope as believers is in his coming. And we can never lose sight of that. And the wrath that is to come that God is bringing and the judgment that he is bringing upon the earth, our hope is in his coming. Mm -hmm. And we really do not get to the coming of the Lord until Revelation chapter 19. Now that's for a later time. In the second letter, we're going to see the day of the Lord and the coming and the gathering up to him are seen as one and the same. They're never separated. But here, what we can know specifically, wait. Waiting is bringing about patience for the coming of the Son. He is the one that will deliver us from the wrath that is to come. I like what you said about in tribulation, it's easy for us to hope in, in how our situation can change. I guess it seems very, in, this is in stark contrast, where, you know, from what I'm getting from you, our eyes should be on, on the, the hope in Christ of Him coming back and Him fulfilling everything He's redeemed us from in His salvation, not just, and maybe not, not at all, how we can change our situation in the here and now. Our eyes and our hope need to be on Christ. Yes, and never losing that understanding that ultimately our salvation that we experience now through the forgiveness of sins, our salvation is coming, our hope is coming, and we can never lose sight of that. Mm. This world's not going to get better as we go through these letters, as we go through the Word of God. It's going to get worse, and our hope is in the coming of the Son, mm. the one that will rescue us from the wrath that is to come. And it, it's interesting. It sounds, it's very actually convicting in a way because, you know, when I look at my own life and all of these prayers and uh, things I'm, I'm asking God for, I tend to normally actually put my hope in that, hope that these things are going to happen. But that's, I mean, it, it seems very clear that's not the scriptural way. That's not 
the way I should be living my life. Well, I would say this, that there's nothing wrong with bringing your petitions and your needs before God. In fact, when Paul writes to the Philippians, he says, with thanksgiving, bring your supplications, your petitions to the Lord. Mm -hmm. I think what I'm saying here is that ultimately, when we look at life and we look at what's going to take place, our only hope is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can never lose sight of that. We can never lose focus of that. We can never develop theologies that differ from that. Mm. And so we're not going to take over the world and subdue the world and bring it under our authority. Our hope is in His coming. And this is something that is consistent all the way through the Word of God. The Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Covenant, the Brit Hadashah, the New Covenant, everything is coming to a conclusion, and this conclusion is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He came and He redeemed me. He purchased us from these evil idols and all the world and all the things of the world. He saved me. He set me free. Now I live for God. Now my... My faith is a testimony to others, even though I'm going through tribulation. And at this last statement, he tells him, and wait for his son. Wait for him. And he's the one that will deliver us. Mm -hmm. And so we can never lose sight of that. I don't think that means that we do not pray for things, pray for changes of things that are going on, that we stop striving to try to make the world in which we live in a better world, but ultimately our hope is in His coming. I want us to end with this first chapter with that understanding, and let me pray with you, and then tomorrow we will start with chapter 2. Heavenly Father, keep our eyes upon the coming of your Messiah, the Son of God, Help us, Lord, to fix our eyes upon Yeshua, who is the author and the perfecter of faith. And God, let us not put our eyes on anything else. Let us not put our hope in any man-made institution or anything that is happening in this world, but our hope is in the coming of your Messiah. Thank you for this. Keep us consistent in that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to learn more about IGM or have any questions about this podcast, feel free to reach out to us at info at integritygm.com and connect with us on Instagram at integrity underscore global and Facebook at Integrity Global Missions. If you like our podcast, please share it and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed day.